This is an ABC podcast. Hello, this is Coronacast, a daily podcast all about the coronavirus. I'm health reporter Tegan Taylor. And I'm physician and journalist Dr Norman Swan. It's Tuesday the 19th of October 2021. That's right. And Norman, yesterday morning as I was trying to get my kids out the door to go to school, I was like, put your shoes on, we're leaving in five minutes. I told you to put your shoes on, we're leaving now. And then later yesterday, I was watching a press conference with the Chief Health Officer of Queensland, Jeanette Young, and I really sensed a similar energy coming from her <laughs> of going, OK, Queensland, we've set a date, we're opening the borders. If you're not vaccinated by then that's on you. Uh, She said it in nicer words than that, but it kind of felt good to finally have a timeline around a COVID zero state reopening and and get a sense of what that's going to look like. Yeah, well, I mean, to use a a toddler analogy, it's about peeing or get off the pot. (laughs) And really, that's what it's about, is just saying, we've told you, six weeks from now, whatever it is, the door is open and get vaccinated. It provides motivation. So in other words, it's like a one-step-removed sense of fear that's all too real for people in New South Wales, Victoria, and the ACT, and indeed Tasmania as of the last two or three days. Yeah, exactly. So basically, just to quickly recap it, um, they're looking at a 70% double dose of vaccines in Queensland by around the 19th of November. You can enter Queensland from a hotspot, but you can only come on a plane and you have to be fully vaccinated and you have to test negative and you also have to still quarantine, which seems not very open to me. But then 80% is expected to be around the 17th of December. So crucially, before Christmas. So it's not much of an opening for people elsewhere in Australia at 70%, really. Exactly. But yeah, if you're 80% vaccinated in Queensland... People who are fully vaccinated can enter by air or by road. They still have to have tested negative, but they don't need to quarantine. And then if uh, once Queensland reaches 90%, then those restrictions ease even further. But people who aren't vaccinated will need to meet entry requirements and still quarantine. So it's not just about uh, vaccination requirements for Queenslanders. It's also requiring vaccination for people entering Queensland. And I can only see these sorts of mandates I hope people don't feel cornered if they're unsure about vaccination still. But what I hope is that it it just gets people to, if they've been delaying it because it's just, they just haven't gotten around to it yet, that it gives them a timeline to work to. There's no reason why Queenslanders are any different, much as Queenslanders like to feel different from everywhere else (laughs) in Australia, or any different from anywhere else. Um, The one difference in Queensland is that it's such a regional economy. If you you don't live in Queensland, you think that uh, all the population is around Brisbane and that southeast corner. It's not. It's widely spread throughout regional Queensland, and that has all the issues of delivering vaccines to regional communities. And Queensland probably has that more in a more exaggerated way than other states. But Queenslanders can be just like everybody else. They're willing to bear their arm, and it's just lack of motivation in many ways, which is what applied in New South Wales and Victoria before. It hit there and it did the ACT. So is, I mean, Queenslanders have taken a while. Is it fair to make us wait? I'm asking the universe really this question. So you're shouting into the great yonder. Selfishly, I want to see my mum. I'm vaccinated, she's vaccinated, but she's in New South Wales. Why do we have to wait, Norman? <laughs> Answer me. Well, the, the risk is um, that you bring an infection even though you're vaccinated. Um, so there is a small risk of that. That's, 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 the, that's the bottom line here. And so... Vaccinate, being vaccinated, particularly freshly, means you're very unlikely to be um, to be infectious. But there's still a small a small chance of that. But really, the small chance of that, then you bring it into a community which is largely unvaccinated, which is seventy percent of over sixteens. 
that means pretty much that 40-odd percent of Queenslanders are unvaccinated. That's a lot of people who, for, to whom it could spread. I am curious to see whether this is an approach that some of the other COVID-free, currently COVID-free states will take. And I, I do also wonder that these timelines are based around the projected dates that will reach those vaccinations, but they have said that if we reach those thresholds earlier, then those opening up will happen earlier. Do you think that we're going to see a, a steep increase in people turning up to get vaccinated now that there's a time frame around it? Well, I hope so, um, because it's going to have to open up at some point. And Queensland's highly dependent on tourism, and there's lots of us who are dying to spend money in Queensland and help the economy. So, And those economies are largely in regional Queensland where we'd want to help people. So hopefully they see the benefit for the community. And they are taking a risk, and they will see cases, and some people will end up in hospital, but it'll be at a very low level if Queenslanders are jabbed. So what about people who got vaccinated some time ago, those those people in the early rollout phases? This is something that we've talked about a little bit. And there's a little bit more data emerging around this may be perhaps a need for a third dose and when that should be timed. So I need to do a mea culpa because, again... when we're, we're long overdue for one, Norman. You haven't spoken Latin for ages. Well, when I make a mistake or get out of date, I try and correct it. So what I've been saying, based on Public Health England data, is that, remember, we're talking about waning immunity. And I said that Pfizer waned uh, quite quickly, Astra waned slowly, and there was a crossover at four and a half months, and Astra kept on going. Turns out that Public Health England have revised that view and, in fact, changed it. So and if you imagine a graph... Essentially, Astra does decline in the level of protection against infection, and it's kind of parallel to Pfizer. Pfizer never crosses over below, so it performs less well than Pfizer. And Pfizer never actually dips below Astra in terms of performance against infection, but they both dip down. And there is also a diminution of protection against hospitalisation. So it doesn't sound very much. It's a few percent in Pfizer, but a few percent of a lot of people turns out to be a lot of people who could actually end up in hospital, particularly since the decline in the protection against hospitalisation is more in the over 80s. Now, I don't say this to terrify people because our federal government has said that they accept that there will be a need for third doses. They've started with immunocompromised people. But now that we're opening up in New South Wales and Victoria, one just wonders how long it's going to be before we hear about how they're going to deliver third doses to residential aged care and that group of healthcare workers who were immunised March and April of this year who do need a third dose quite soon now that we're opening up. So it's not a general thing and most of us are freshly vaccinated, don't need to worry at all. And those who've had Astra are probably are more to the front of the queue than I probably implied with my previous account of the data. So, yes, we don't want people to be protected. We want to be following the best evidence. But there's still a lot of Australians that haven't had a first dose yet. Is it muddying the waters a bit, Norman, to be talking about third doses already? Well, you've seen that Queensland is already saying we're going to open up in the middle of December pretty comprehensively. Um, You would think that now's the time for, for any state to keep people at their topped up immunity. And there's plenty of vaccine to go around now. So, and it's a relatively small number of people in March and April, unfortunately, it's a small number of people who got immunized then. So it would have relatively little impact on the overall vaccine campaign. And remember, that was done by contractors into residential aged care. And I assume that's what they're going to repeat or they would get states to do it or general practitioners. But either way, we are reasonably set up 
to go back into residential care and provide that, and it shouldn't be a distraction. Well, we bet we actually had Rhonda McIntyre on the health report last night talking about just this. So if you want a bit more detail about that, go back and listen to the health report on the ABC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts. And congratulations to Tasmania for coming out of their lockdown, although there are certain restrictions on masks and indoors for the rest of the week. It's kept Will indoors over the weekend, so he's been planning today's podcast with a, you know, avidity. But good on you and dodged a bullet. And then speaking of Tassie, they're doing a really interesting thing that maybe other states could consider as well to get out to regional communities. They've got a bus going around into the many small regional towns in Tassie vaccinating people. So they'll roll up into a town, might only have 200 people, vaccinate anyone who's in the neighbourhood and, and keep moving, just bringing the vaccine to the people rather than asking people to come into big centres to get vaccinated. Yeah, I think it might have been doing something like that in some Aboriginal communities as well, but it's, it's, a, it's a great idea. And I, th- and, I, and I do think that for some communities throughout Australia, we should reintroduce, and it's been suggested here on our incoming, so to speak, that some of those, motiv- some of those motivating factors and incentives might be good in the uh, low immunisation states that don't have COVID currently. Yeah, Jane's written in saying a suggestion for Queensland, because we were talking about Queensland yesterday, which is what's prompted this, nominate a big vax day. Government payments for hours or days off work due to vaccination or side effects gets the maximum possible number of walk-in vaccination hubs set up on the day, especially in remote and low vaccination rate areas. Have community champions at all hubs, speaking community languages, elders, imams, teachers, leaders, and repeat periodically as necessary. What a great idea. I think they did that in New Zealand with uh, quite good effect. So these are the sort of things. They happen in low-income countries. That's what low-income countries do. They'll get everybody to turn up at the local football field and just mass immunise very, very large people, numbers of people in a week. Well, if you've got your solutions on how to fix COVID in Australia, message us at abc.net.au slash coronacast. You can also ask your questions there too. And we'll see you tomorrow for our 400th episode. Oh, my gosh, Norman. You're making me feel old. Hmm. We are old. We're 400 episodes <laughs> I'm 400 older. 400 episodes older than I was when we started this thing. We'll see you tomorrow. See you then. Mm-hmm.